Hello everyone, this is Isaac Petrie. Welcome to the podcast. Be ready to be encouraged and enlightened as we discuss spiritual solutions for everyday life. Well, hello there, everybody. Today is going to be a good day. And of course, we got a special guest on today, but this is, I'll introduce him in a moment. This is Isaac Petrie, the fella up to the right. You're the top right today. <laughs> I repeat you, that's right. <laughs> How y'all doing? Come on <laughs> on and speak to us. You get, you. hey, we can't talk a lot today, so we got to jump into the show, but you got to speak to us. And so there's Joanne. I went to school with Joanne Berklin. How you doing? Yeah. Glad to have you. And um, I don't know how to pronounce your name. Felicita. 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 You're already helping me. Glad to have you all <laughs> with us. And I uh, just didn't want to mispronounce it. Hey, Elizabeth Mays. Always glad to have you. Hey, Benny. Listen, we fixing to dive on in because we got too much to do. I have a special guest. So hello to all of those that are coming on pray that you will go ahead and begin to share this information because you are going to be absolutely informed that is our assignment on kingdom conversations is to have these kingdom conversations where you get the information so you can make correct decisions and have the right perspective on things and so pastor iron we met this man of god yeah about a year ago actually uh, this, yeah. I mean, actually, literally about yeah. a year ago in Washington, D.C. And um, we were, I think, summons there by a mutual ministry friend um, or in kind of mentor to our mm -hmm. live Bishop Harry Jackson. Yes. And uh, when he opened his mouth, I was like, I got to know who this man mm -hmm. of God is. And then we were later able to connect in a event in San Antonio, Texas. And I was just mesmerized by his leadership, by his ability to galvanize the body of Christ when it comes to this political area and just a real apostolic voice for God down there in San Antonio, San Antonio Texas, where you met your <laughs> wife. That's where you're from. Yeah. yeah. Down the street. Yeah, that's uh, and so his family is still there in San Antonio. All right. Listen, yeah. we got Pastor Charles Flowers on. And listen, this man of God is phenomenal. So I, I want you to just kind of introduce yourself, talk about your ministry, your wife real quick, family, and then we're going we're gonna to dive off into some stuff. Uh, well, just let me begin by saying I married up the chain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife is from St. Louis, Missouri. We were both uh, United States Air Force members when we met. We met in Germany. Married over there, had our first child, Jarrell, who will be turning 39 years old. Wow. Uh, in December. Uh, so we're thankful. And uh, we have two other daughters and a younger son. Uh, in the area, my youngest daughter is actually a She's a flight attendant for Delta. Oh, wow. Uh, so mom and I get to fly free. We enjoy that. Wow. <laughs> and uh, but, but, but we're just thankful to God for all that has happened, has taken place and is taking place uh, with our children. And San Antonio, uh, 
we are we are a tourist destination city. We're quickly becoming a spiritual destination city. It's mm. in the DNA of the city, the place of destination things natural, but for things spiritual as well. And we're seeing that starting to unfold here in our city, and we're thankful to God for it. I love the city of San Antonio. I wasn't I wasn't born and raised here. I was I'm a North Carolina country boy. There were yeah. five hundred living things in my hometown. That included the cats and the dog and the cat. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I, at eighteen, I joined the Air Force and it moved me out, and really haven't been back since then. But I love. Uh, country living, and I love country morals. I love the country atmosphere. Yeah, that's why I identified so much with the statement when you said, uh, uh, "In Deuteronomy, it says you're blessed in the city and blessed in the field." Somebody got to be in the field. Somebody got to be in the field. Somebody got to be blessed in the field. So, uh, and yes, when I heard you, likewise, when I heard you speak, what you spoke in D.C., particularly about of the black community to the tyranny of manipulation. Yeah. In a lot of arenas to include politically and to be able to, to forgive and be re- and release ourselves by forgiveness uh, from these manipulative powers that have so, you know, um, shaped the landscape of the black culture in this country for decades. Yeah. And for God to provide a key uh, out of your mouth as his as his prophet to to say that and to release that uh, it was felt by everybody in the room and carried over into this meeting here in San Antonio where you guys came you left a spiritual deposit here and oh, wow. that's that's what we desire when we bring people in we're not just trying to you know have another talk time we're trying to to construct a spiritual atmosphere that is conducive to the will of God in the region and uh, that's what happened uh, that night. So I'm thankful to God for that and for your friendship. Well, thank you. All this, but I met, I met you. I've, I've seen you on TBN, obviously, uh, some years back more regularly than most than recent years. And we were in an airport uh, together and I came to ask you if you were the brother of a, one of the ministers here in the city of San Antonio. You looked at me like a, a cow looking at a new gate, like this guy's out of his mouth. <laughs> And I, and, I, and I didn't really register because you look a lot like a friend of mine here in the city. I thought maybe you had been a brother or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, then when, and, and after our conversation left, I said, oh, man, that's who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I just put some egg on my face today. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> hey, what a pleasure to be here with you guys. Well, thank you. Well, Pastor, we, uh, you know, you also have an amazing ministry there. Um and um, just talk a little bit. Let's dive into it. You know, the political culture mm-hmm. you know, is at an all time high. It's been a blessing on one end because I've never seen this many people politically engaged or even have anything you right. know, politically, educationally um, to even peer into. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited about it. But give us your scope. How did you get involved in it? Give us your mindset of how the church has to stay involved in these arenas. And then tell me what you're seeing with this election. The prophet Isaiah says that the government shall be upon his shoulder, shall rest upon his shoulder. Yeah. And, uh, and so we have responsibility. In fact, the word ecclesia, the, 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 the concept of the church, 
is those who are called out and assembled together for the purpose of governing. Mm. Governmental responsibility rests as deep as our DNA as the church. Because of 1954's decision, uh, really a, a senator, U.S. senator from here in Texas, uh, Lyndon Johnson, his bid for, for the Senate was contested uh, by some men of God in the Dallas area. They had called him in to reckon on how he was handling things ethically in his campaign. Uh, and, it, and it almost cost him the campaign. He won, but it almost cost him. And so he went back uh, to Washington and put what we now know as the Johnson Amendment or the Johnson Rider on the end of a tax reform bill. Of course, everybody wants taxes to be reformed. He knew that, and the strategy was to put uh, the Johnson Rider on that tax bill. That's essentially muting the mouth of the church since 1954 on talking about political issues. Now, before that happened, you, you are probably aware that the church used to do uh, cyclical in election years what was called election sermons. They would take the, the issues of the day and match them against the kingdom, uh, they were having kingdom conversations, if you will, around those issues back in those times. But when that Johnson Amendment came, it muted the mouth of the church. Now for 60 plus years, the the public has been, been getting their information about politics from secular uh, and, and many times antichrist media, at, at best wow. slanted media. And so because of it, now there's a divided voice both in the pulpit and in the pew where the matter where, where uh, civil matters are concerned as it relates to the word of God. But we're seeing a turn in that. We're yeah. starting yeah. to see these men like yourselves who recognize our responsibility to be salt and light, not just on moral issues, but on every issue of the day and in every sphere of influence to include government, uh, are beginning to step forward again. Here's the thing. You can, you know, you can get away with a hum and uh, and, and an organ uh, if you're if you're appealing emotional. And I'm not against a hum and the organ. I like rolling with the best of them. But, yeah. but but you can get away with using only that if you're appealing to the emotion. But when you start to to appeal to cog the cognitive ability of, of people, and when you start to appeal to the uh, to the sense of their citizenship in the kingdom of God from a spiritual understanding basis, it takes a little bit more than a hum and a Hammond B3. So because of that, we have been, it's easier to do the, the other. It's easier to do the hum and the Hammond B3. It's easier. You, you get, you're liked more. Your, your, your theatrical abilities is applauded more. But when you start to appeal to people about their responsibility as a kingdom citizen to fulfill Matthew 13, uh, 33, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven should be likened unto a woman who took leaven and put it in three measures of milk until the whole thing was leavened. Wow. In one verse, he tells us what is the mandate of the church to go into all the world and affect the whole thing with the principles of the kingdom. That includes government. So because we have been silent, things like the non-discrimination ordinance, the hero ordinance, these were uh, attempts made by, uh, strangely enough, these ordinances were not written by local governments. The mayor and the city council didn't get put together 
these ordinances. They were put together by the Human Rights Commission, uh, pumped mm. by a lot of ungodly and anti-Christ money. From the Human Rights Commission, they decided which strategic points across the nation in terms of uh, metropolitan areas needed to adopt these plans in order to change the culture of the nation. And big uh, population centers were one of them, like San Antonio and Houston. And the first line of defense in these ordinances was in the name, particularly here in San Antonio. It was called the Non-Discrimination Ordinance. Yeah. Giving uh, much more leeway to uh, the LGBTQAIE or whatever else, the alphabets after that, those letters now. Giving them a lot more uh, leeway in the culture to violate normal traditional lifestyles as is promoted in the word of God. In other words, they were inviting men who could identify as a woman, could be as, as manly looking as either one of us, but identify as a woman and therefore have the ability uh, to walk into a woman's bathroom and, and do whatever he wanted to do, violating women in their dressing rooms and these private spaces, these kind of uh, ordinances came down in cities so when it got here to San Antonio, I addressed the fact that the first defense of the ordinance is in its name, non-discrimination. So anybody who stands up against a non-discrimination ordinance right. is labeled immediately as a discriminator. So right. that you have that hill to climb first and foremost is to get beyond the public perception that you're a discriminator. discriminator. Right. And add to that the labels of religious bigot and all that other stuff. The enemy is... He is crafty, hmm. um, but we, uh, God gave us the grace to, to collect thousands of people uh, from the church right here in the city, uh, partnered with some of the biggest churches in the nation that are here in San Antonio. Uh, Pastor John Hagee uh, is a dear friend and a mentor uh, here in San Antonio, and his uh, uh, chief of staff at the time, uh, Pastor Art Gonzalez, partnered with us, and so did several of the other uh, large ministries here in our city, and we were able to fill the chamber uh, on citizens to be heard, pleading with council not to pass this ordinance. It was like 2,000 voices uh, asking them not to, and about 300 voices asking them to. Wow. They sided with the 300. Wow. And this is the reason they gave. Uh, at voting time, 6.7% of the population voted. Wow. The regime won 3.4%, at least half of that. With 3.4% of eligible voters in the city put into place a regime that was against the general flow of the moral stance of people here in the city of San Antonio. Wow. So Proverbs 29.2 became very uh, demonstrative to us here in the city of San Antonio. It says that uh, when the righteous are in authority, people rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, people mourn. So whether or not we mourn or rejoice in this country has a lot to do with what we do at the voting booth. Mm. Therefore, we could not, we couldn't neglect uh, the responsibilities to start rallying people around their responsibility to do something. So that's kind of in the nutshells where we are uh, in the city and God has laid sort of that mantle of responsibility on me and others in the city to 
be a voice for the kingdom of God as it relates to matters, uh, political matters. I, I'm not a political person. I don't have any aspiration right. in office. I'm not trying to be a city council member or mayor. I've, I've been asked about both. I have no desire to do either. Uh, but what I do have a desire to do is to make sure that the right people are in office. Yeah. So make righteous decisions for the thing, uh, for the things of general society as well as for the kingdom of God. Wow. This is why we have you on. And when I came to San Antonio and I saw your ability to galvanize all these men and women of God uh, in a city, I think that's the template um, for every city going forward. But how do you break through um, these, you know, political lines? Because mm -hmm. if you're dealing with African-Americans, you're dealing with 90 something percent that politically align. Well, I don't even know that they politically align with the Democrat Party because we're the most conservative <laughs> race of people on the planet. But we don't vote that way. And mm -hmm. when it comes to things that you got to confront that will fall on on that side of the party, how did how do you get people to push by that, you know, and then galvanize around the king? Uh, for the African-American community, it is an uphill climb. However, momentum is being gained. Yeah. Uh, and I think we can see that across the board in yeah. this election, how uh, 50 Cent said he doesn't want to become 20 Cent. <laughs> <laughs> after, after a 62% uh, tax yeah. levied upon him. And, and uh, recently, uh, Ice Cube has been willing to take have some conversation about um, with this administration on the issue of uh, uh, yeah, the, moving the black community forward yeah. economically. Uh, a little rapper who I think needs much prayer, a little pump recently came out and said uh, that he's in support of the president. So there's some momentum shifting uh, within the black community. And there has always been black conservative voices, but we've been in a minority, largely because the Democratic Party has successfully marketed itself since the days of the New Deal uh, under Roosevelt. Um, uh, that that would that they care for the poor. This is how they have modeled themselves. They're the party that cares for the poor, and that sold it's that sold itself in our culture now for more than more than six decades. And because there has been no voice coming from the church for about that same amount of time, that marketing scheme from the Democratic Party has settled deeply into the African-American soul, because I'll say this, we are a traumatized people. Blacks mm -hmm. in America are traumatized. Mm -hmm. uh, why, why do I say that? Well, for 244 years, we were in slavery. Yeah. That's enough to traumatize anybody. Let me, let me just bring this to the attention of your listeners. In Ohio, probably been a half, half dozen years ago now, there was discovered in the basement of this man a number of white girls that had been taken there and held captive uh, for a number of years. They had gotten pregnant there, some had babies there, all kinds of stuff. The man was just manipulating them in the basement. 
And kind of serendipitously, one of them wandered up one day when he had gone. He had he had them so under such mind control that he felt like he could leave the house, which he did on on a, a number of occasions, leave the house, and they would stay where they were told to stay, and he'd come back and resume their captivity. Well, this one particular day, one of the girls wanders up to the front screen door. She cries out to a neighbor, and of course, the news comes in now, police. And they discovered these girls have been held captive. When the discovery was made that they were held captive in that basement in Ohio, all kinds of uh, psychological help and all kinds of emotional, mental restoration. These girls are going to need help. And they were right. They're going to need help. They've been robbed of their teen years and they've been robbed of, of freedom and robbed of these kind of things because they've been kept in this basement for a decade. Well, compare that to a people who have wow. been captive for 244 years. Mm. And yet there is no outcry coming from the mental health community. There's no outcry coming from, you know, these other areas saying these people have been traumatized and we need to make a way for them to recover and to be restored. Mm-hmm. There, is, there is on top of that trauma that has been suffered for 244 years of slavery on the very day when uh, the war ended, uh, the very year, 1865, when the Civil War ended, which was over slavery. And uh, the Jim Crow laws was established. Jim Crow lasted for another hundred years. Jim Crow, particularly in the South where we are, forbid blacks from eating at a restaurant, drinking at a fountain, walking on the same side of the street, couldn't get a job, all that. As a people, we have been traumatized. Mm-hmm. And the Democratic Party has played with that trauma and they're still playing with that trauma. Wow. Poking at it, uh, encouraging uh, blacks. Yes, we're here for you. We're the ones who care for you. We're the ones who know that you're suffering. We have your best interests at heart. And yet, if you look at democratic controlled cities, you don't see, you see the worst conditions for African-Americans in, than you do in any other city or region across the country. So how, how do we break from that? First of all, we the same word you gave. We have to forgive and heal. That yep. that is a crown jewel in the plan yep. of God. Yeah, we forgive our offenders and heal ourselves, and then begin to look more at policy than at personality. Right. And and at what the 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 uh, particular uh, particular infrastructure of the political uh, framework is upholding and what are they promoting and to see whether or not our values line up with that. You mentioned earlier, if that happens, black people will soon see that a lot of their values don't line up with the party they've been voting for since the deal. Johnson, by the way, who said, uh, uh, you know, we, and he used N word, if we give these ends something to talk, talking about subsistence, food and housing, they'll be voting for us for the next hundred years. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he was right. Wow. A little relief came to a traumatized people. They've latched on to it and have held it, uh, you know, like it was a life vest or a lifeline since then. So, wow. We, we have to plow through it. It's tough conversations. It, fr- it can fracture and put weight on friendships. But but we have to let that happen because the stakes are really that high. Right. 
And so we enter into it with a multicultural, multiracial viewpoint here in the city of San Antonio because we're a minority majority city. The majority in this city is Hispanic. Right. And that, so but nationally, they're a minority. So we, we, the minority is in the majority here in the city of San Antonio. So we approach it from that viewpoint, crossing the racial uh, lines and telling the truth. The, the truth is hard to swallow, especially mm-hmm. if you've been, you believed it for 60 years. It's hard to swallow. It's hard to believe that you've been wrong. And, and, and black people are demonstrative. We're, we're, we're certain we are, uh, we have the gift of leadership on us as a culture. So we don't want to be, to appear having been fooled, but we've been fooled <laughs> for, wow. six, for, for, for six decades plus, we have been fooled by a democratic uh, mechanism that's saying that they're the ones who are for us. But God is faithful. He's bringing us out of it, just like he brought the children of Israel out of Babylonian captivity. He's bringing us out. You know, my brother said something that was striking because like you, our goal is to bring people out of these allegiances to parties and an allegiance to the kingdom right. and hold these parties accountable by standards. And my brother said something that was amazing when he said that when you look at the black race and the, the loyalty to the Democrat party, for the last 50, 60 years, by over 90% of us believing, voting, expecting Mm -hmm. change, that here we are in 2020 after all of those years of allegiance, and we're now still begging for a plan for Black America. Mm -hmm. But we're still saying we got to hold them accountable. You know, we got to have a plan for us. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, you know, people always quote the definition of insanity. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that you have to be a Republican. It just simply means that you got to look at something and say, listen, yes. all we've done for the last 50 years, what has actually come of that that moved, you know, the race forward by these policies? Right. right. About the right. party, it's about these policies. And the wealth gap had moved. In all of that time, the upward mobility had moved. And so and so we need to look at a policy standpoint. Now, I want to ask you this, because this is where your authority really rules. We have no idea as Christian people how close we are to our religious liberties being seriously jeopardized mm-hmm. in this nation. I want you to talk just a little bit about that because I even want you to go back a little bit to the situation that happened in Houston years ago where the mayor was asking, you know, to turn in the pastors, turn in their sermons and let her administration overlook them and critique them before they're allowed to preach certain things. Talk a little bit about that and then talk about what y'all did to mobilize and the threat that we are really dealing with in religious liberties that I believe this election hangs on. Uh, Historically, San Antonio and Houston are connected by the battles that happened at the Alamo in which every person that took a stand lost their lives for for the cause of liberty uh, and the Battle of San Jacinto in Houston. Wow. 
the battle at the Alamo gave um, opportunity for troops to come into Texas and be reinforced at San Jacinto where victory was experienced. The NDO likewise failed here in San Antonio, but we fought long and hard enough for um, reinforcements to come into the city of Houston when the ordinance left here called the non-discrimination ordinance and appeared there as the hero ordinance. Again, the, the defense is in the name, Houston Equal Rights Ordinance is what hero stood for. Trying to do the same thing in the city of Houston, push the LGBTQ agenda as they did here in the city of San Antonio. Uh, the mayor was uh, an open homosexual and she took exception to preachers declaring the counsel of God as it's presented in his word. And she didn't ask for them. She demanded the sermons uh, be turned over to her. Uh, she had no legal authority to do so. Uh, it was it was clearly expressed uh, legally to, to her that she had no authority to do so. But a couple of friends, uh, Dave Welch, uh, Dave has the U.S. Uh, Pastors Council as well as Houston area Pastor Council, Steve Regal, Steve Pastors Great Community Church there in Houston. Um, uh, it's a mega church there in the city of Houston. They combine themselves with other voices uh, and they begin to speak against uh, the mayor with our amening from San Antonio about her requiring that. She would have, as she had not been contested, See, and I think it was Dave who said this, maybe Steve, any law can be on the books that's in your favor. But if you don't stand for, if you don't stand up against certain things that are being done, those laws will lie dormant. They'll lie latent and you won't receive the benefit of them. It's yeah. not until you take up that right that you have as a, uh, as a citizen and moreover as a child of the kingdom of God. It's not till you take up that right and begin to do something with it that you see that the force is actually on your side. The force for good is on your side. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened in the city of Houston. They stood up and even people who were not church members, they understood that the government was overreaching. Right. What did was that they, when she, when she demanded their sermons, they sent them, they sent the, the mayor's office tons and tons of Bibles and, you want to know where our sermons come from? This is where it comes from. They, they sent their stuff free and you know, uh, flooding the mayor's office with <laughs> with all the messages that they were preaching uh, where, where the kingdom of God was concerned. Of course, then legally, uh, organizations like Alliance Defending Freedom and others got behind us. We went down, actually filed a suit uh, in Houston um, against the city uh, of Houston and became plaintiffs in that case that case went to the district court, and, uh, and of course, the, the verdict came back down to the city of Houston that what the mayor had did was overstepping. And she, uh, she eventually lost the election in the next cycle, as what happened here in, city, in the city of San Antonio. When they refused to listen, uh, the mayor, uh, the council person that stood with this, the body of Christ, uh, council person Ivy Taylor, became the mayor and ruled this city with grace and poise uh, wow. uh, for a, a tenure, for a, a tenure for mayorship, which I think was two years or something like that. She didn't win the second time around. 
uh, for reasons that I won't get into here, but uh, we're, we're thankful that we were able to see some movement uh, coming out of San Antonio in regard to that as well. But what it let us know is that you can't, we can't sit on our hands. The right. enemy is sitting on his. As you and I talk now, some, right. some council room, uh, whole Chick-fil-A thing here in the city of San Antonio. Wow. The, the Chick-fil-A was denied uh, a lease at the airport because of their biblical stance, because of a tr tr traditional family. The city council got together and said that organization, their stance on these things is not something that we want to permit. Now, the financial package and Chick-fil-A's ability to for customer satisfaction and all of that was above any other contestant and would and would provide the city more money than any other entity that they were uh, viewing at the time. But because of their stance, uh, a couple of our council people, uh, the stance on marriage, uh, a couple of our council people stood up along with the silence of our mayor. Silence was consent. Mm. And, uh, and they denied Chick-fil-A that. Now the FAA has come back and said uh, that that our city council, again, overstepped their boundaries and violated the rights of the organization and must now offer Chick-fil-A elites at the airport. Those things are not seen or heard, but when that went down, we called uh, a group of pastors here in our city, uh, called together some of the council leaders at a restaurant and said to them, essentially, this is an infringement upon religious freedom. And it must... We, we're asking you again to stop moving in this direction. Uh, that meeting was, was powerful. It, it, it called to reckoning uh, some city council seats as well as the mayor's office. But because there, there's such a defense uh, largely upheld by democratic ideology. And again, as you said, we're not championing either party. Right. What we're saying is that there has to come as close as we can get in alignment to the things of the kingdom of God is what we want to endorse, because it's those kind of leaders that we can trust when the doors are closed and the lobbyists are in their face and they have enough integrity not to fall for the money or for the uh, for the career advancement. Mm. So, uh, that's what happened here in the city of San Antonio. We keep our, our hand on the pulse uh, politically here. In fact, as soon as November 3rd is over, uh, our city elections start the following year, May of 2021. Wow. On November 4th, we'll start a campaign making sure that we get the right people in office here in the city of San Antonio. Wow. Woo! Now that's the way the kingdom is supposed to operate. <laughs> this is for the kingdom. And one of the yeah. things that we are unapologetic about in kingdom conversation and at Christ Nations Church is getting you out of being in alignment and allegiance to anything other than the kingdom. And so it doesn't matter to me. I'll vote for a Republican just as easy as I'll vote for a Democrat. I'll vote for anybody with anybody. kingdom agenda. <laughs> but I'm yeah. not voting for anybody who does not have a kingdom agenda and especially <laughs> is. That's where our power lies is in the ability as a citizens of the kingdom is in our ability to align uh, agendas and policies 
with what is taught in God's word, the word to which we have given our entire allegiance and upon which our entire eternity rests. Yes. Ooh. Wow. If we can't, if we can't trust that now, hmm. why would we think that we can trust it later? Wow. So yeah. our whole life is laid on that word. Wow. Our whole eternity is laid on that word. Yes, sir. Or it needs to add, to apply to every sphere of life that we have and express in these times. Well, Pastor Iron, I'm going to see if you got anything you want to ask, Pastor. You know, I can't believe it's already 45 minutes. He's a very busy man. We got to let him go. But <laughs> but um, is there anything you want to add to it, Pastor? Oh, no, I, I'm, I'm just sitting back enjoying this. I, I think he has... Um, I think you have explained things quite well and given us a, also a snapshot in the history lesson all at the same time. So I'm happy with the last statement he just made for just an appeal to believers that I mean, our eternal destiny rests upon the validity of that book. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I and I, I, too, that's one of the things that has oftentimes kind of burdened my heart to pray for the church because i see this this willingness to dispense with certain things now and it's like you're going to enter into eternity mm-hmm. right and, and and you're going to do that confidently without standing on what you know to be true now and i just don't see how those two things connect right so it's a it's a sobering thought but uh i i really enjoyed hearing you say that because it's so true it's so very true well gentlemen this is uh this has been a highlight for me i i, I so admire doing in each of you. And uh, and I, I told you, uh, uh, Prophet, I told you after you spoke at Glory of Zion, I said, good Lord from Zion. It <laughs> <laughs> was an amazing night there. I, what I, a I, word, man, because you know, essentially Daniel's shown uh, all of these, these six weeks before. He's shown the seven weeks, but he's not shown that space between week six and seven. Yeah. Yeah, but the church now has to weigh in, right? Move into uh, what God has declared in that last in that last week. Absolutely, I'm, I'm I was just so thankful for the process and for the anointing of God on your on your ministry and in your voice to help guide a nation. I, I, you probably already know this, but I'm sure you do. But prophets have different spheres. Um, Jeremiah, for example, was a prophet to the nations, plural. Um, Yet there are many of the voices in the Old Testament, all but five, whose prophetic word was to to the southern kingdom, Judah. It was only uh, Jonah, Obadiah, Nahum, and Amos, and Hosea that spoke from beyond that, that southern kingdom. These prophets rose up and spoke God's word. Now, Isaiah, of course, Isaiah prophesied to the nations as well, he, to even the heathen nations. He told them what, how God was going to uh, unpack things with them. But to hear you say what you said and to place the church in the scope of responsibility that we have, not only in this nation, but for the nations, yeah, was profound. And I'm thankful that God has such a voice in you. Oh, well, thank you, Pastor. Listen. We're fixing to get ready to go. We want to say this. We are kingdom people and we're not backing down. This election, I believe, is about a tipping point uh, for the nation. Um, And you're going to have to decide 
whether you are going to see everything through the lens of the kingdom of heaven or not. I mean, turn the, if you have to turn the news off and social media off and all that to get your mind to a place where you can see this thing through kingdom eyes. If you look spiritually, you will see that there are two agendas that are moving forth in yeah. these two parties. And we have to be honest enough to see it for what it is. And yes. one of them is absolutely hostile mm -hmm. to the of God, to the things of the kingdom of God. And I pray that those that are still yet to vote, that you would really see God before you go cast your vote and make sure you cast the kingdom vote. If you've already done it, then I just pray that you were really led and that these conversations have helped bring some clarity. Well, Pastor, is there a, a parting word you want to leave with the people of God before we go? Yes, uh, I would say if you want to get a look at the agendas, uh, the two agendas response to the church, look at Gavin Newsom in California. Mm -hmm. Noose that he is seeking to put around the neck of the church. And look at the church's response in California. Mm -hmm. It wow. seems that where the church is most persecuted, it is most alive. Wow. In the, in the state of California, where the governor uh, told them at one point, you can't sing. Listen, wow. you can't sing. <laughs> can't meet and you can't sing. Suddenly, the church began to show up in thousands on the beach. Yeah. Um, and, and and John MacArthur, of all voices that you wouldn't think, right. uh, now has begun to step forward and recognize this battle against religious liberty. Uh, Jack Hibbs, others have just... Uh, um, rallied around the necessity for the church to establish its voice in the in the state of California. So if you want to see the difference in those agendas, just look at California. You you'll see what will happen if this particular agenda uh, comes into rulership in the country. God forbid that it should. May He give us, as in Ezra chapter nine verse eight, another little space for grace. Amen. If He will do. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Hey, y'all share this information and um, and we just thank you, Pastor. Man, I got to get you back on here because you, you unpack, <laughs> man. We appreciate you so much, man. Stay to everybody. Listen, we'll be back November the, man, the next time we're on here, the election will be over. So we'll either, we'll be, <laughs> we'll have to go into grief counseling. <laughs> <laughs> the next time we on it faster <laughs> and get, get, get everybody lined up, you know, because if the people we voted to didn't win, then we're going to have to get everybody really, really together because no matter it is, no matter who wins, you're in the kingdom and Amen. you be all right, but we want the kingdom to come. Amen. This I so we'll see you next Thursday. Thank you. I pray you were blessed by today's podcast. Take a moment and subscribe to it and review it and share it with someone else so that we can stay connected. Be blessed.